Amen. Praise the Lord. Remain standing for prayer. I also wanted to uh, to mention and forgot it again as we were doing the baby dedications. Just, you know, I'd like you to praise the Lord with us and with uh, John and Chloe Edwards uh, about baby Jack. And um, last I'd heard, he's maybe supposed to get out of the hospital today. And praise the Lord for that. And God does not always answer us in such an extravagant fashion. So I think when he does, we ought to really praise him. And man, there was a moment, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I was like, God, this is out of our hands, out of the parents' hands. This is out of the doctor's hands. And it's all in your hands. And uh, God heard our prayer answered. So praise the Lord. Go ahead and bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today, Lord, how you've prepared our hearts, our minds, our lives. God, you have set the stage. And the fact we could do baby dedications today just sets the stage even further. And uh, so, Lord, today I pray. And, uh, Lord, I can remember growing up in a church where it seemed like really everybody who was a believer, everybody born again, uh, they really um, relished in what was called hard preaching. And hard preaching is sometimes, you know, that our society has changed. People look at things differently. But God, I thank you. You've given us a book. Does not mince words. Points us to the absolutes and the absolute answers. And God, we can put all our faith, trust, and hope in what you have told us. So Lord, speak to us at this time. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. And, you know, I might also mention that tonight um, is the fall kickoff for our kids and our adults. So if you have a child, kindergarten through fifth grade, um, uh, sixth grade, I think, goes up through for our WANA. Then also Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8, Wednesday night, 6.30, for the kids K through grade five, you ought to give them a Christ touch and church contact midweek uh, because we're going to be working with them to do a Christmas program, which they will perform uh, with us uh, December 23rd. So that'll be starting this Wednesday night, 630. And you say, well, then what is, what is there for me? Well, at the same moment, so this will be kindergarten through fifth grade, Starting sixth grade, middle school and high schoolers uh, have always met on Wednesdays since COVID at least. Maybe, maybe it was even pre-COVID. And uh, so they meet on Wednesday nights. And then for the adults, we have Financial Peace University. And we paid, so it is free to you. And so that will also be going on the mixer tonight. So you get information on that. So tonight at 530, we'll be doing a, uh, having a mixer for that. And... That will, that will be happening, and we paid it so that you don't have to pay because actually Dave Ramsey does talk about tithing. I'm not sure he uses that word, but uh, he does talk about giving 10% as well as saving 10% and living off the rest. And, and beyond that, I think any Christian not willing to pay their own way in ministry, which is all that tithing really does for you, then I don't know what else is wrong with you, but we may find out today. And all that to also say, please pray with me for facilities issues, because it it does bother me. Uh, Now that, you know, coming full back from COVID and all of that, it it bothers me that we do not have a space for our middle school and high school to meet with us on Sundays. And the college group meets in our offices across the way here at Copper Oaks, and it's way too small. 
And so I don't know what the answer to that is. So I'm just asking you to pray. I mean, I would even take, take that. I would, I would take a new, new facility for that uh, over a Movado watch. <laughs> so if I can just kick down the door and speak to my cheap sons and daughters, are not your youth and college kids worth your red lobster money? Of course, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But it did make national news that there is a pastor in Kansas City talking to his congregation that way because he let them know a year ago he wanted a Movado watch, and they still hadn't got him one. So I'm, I'm kidding about that, but I am not kidding about um, our space needs, so pray with me. Our entire country today is transitioning through changes, and let me take just one moment and exegete that experience with you, because there is climate change, there is economic reset, there is stock market and real estate market change. Uh, we have an off-the-charts heat wave in the U.S., wildfires in Europe, floods in Asia, wars in Russia, and all of that contributes to inflation and financial deficits. So your job, your education, and the stability of our planet is changing. So my question is, what will this church be to our community as we face those challenges in the days ahead, I wonder, what will our members be to people in their network of neighbors, family, and friends? And because this is Dedication Baby Sunday, Daniel chapter 4 lends itself to showing us how we can save our kids. So today, let's discover how to focus on the right things and the things that God is giving us to do together for the rest of this year. I want to get down to the root problem, and I want to deal with the real solution, don't you? I mean, that's what I want to finally get to. So I have made an appointment with you for Daniel chapter 4. This chapter is basically the scanned PDF of an official Babylonian document. It was written about eight years before... So the events happened about eight years before what is written here. So verses 1 to 3 and verse 37 are Nebuchadnezzar's personal testimony act after the fact of how God saved him from leading the trench coat mafia. So let's uh, forget that part. Let's get straight to the flashback to get to the, to the gist of this drama. Look at verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace. I mean, these were the golden years, and he is secure. He's free from fear. He is flourishing, and that means that he was growing green and prosperous. So he stopped all his overseas wars. He started building up his own country. They had peace, safety, and prosperity. And by and large, that is what society has provided us today. I mean, we're living large here in America because we print the world's reserve currency. And we do that without anything to back it up. We just print it. So we're the world's last remaining superpower. <coughs> we are laughing up our sleeve at Russia for getting bogged down in Ukraine but our perspective is still pagan. Therefore, we get rudely interrupted by high school shootings, by mass casualty events, by mental health crises. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and it bothered him. 
that it might be an evil omen. Verse 5, I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. So God once again uses Daniel, and Daniel is there in the palace, and, and, and he uses Daniel just like he wants to use us right now. He wants us to be light in darkness, to give the answers that bring hope to a very despairing, despondent, anxiety-ridden generation. I mean, more so than maybe in the history of our country. I mean, you read things about what was it like World War I. Well, we didn't pay much attention to that. We, we went over and kicked butts and take na- took names, and we all came back. But World War II, we got attacked. It was a little bit different then, but you don't read of the type of anxiety, really, of people having and what was going on like we have. I mean, like we've got going on today. I mean, it's crazy. Verse, verse 8, but at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him, I told the dream saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. He says, look, you're the teacher of the Magi and uh, all the holy gods, which is defined in other cross-references as holy angels. In other words, the Holy Spirit is in you. So nothing can stump you. Verse 10, thus were the visions of mine head and my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof was great. Now, the vision of the tree is also repeated to Daniel's prophetic contemporary, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 31, as a description of the Assyrian, who is an Old Testament type for and picture of the coming Antichrist. Verse 11, for the tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the ends of the earth, the leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, and the beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls in the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. So since we discover this dream actually ends up being about Nebuchadnezzar, and that means Nebuchadnezzar is also a type of the Antichrist, just like Babylon is the fountain of a false faith which attracts demons just like those in Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. I, I, I know all of this fits together there in your Bible. Not only that, it fits together with history. It fits together with what we see currently on the planet. Um, I check Facebook once in a while, but really I tell my story on Instagram, then I just push it out Facebook and other places. So I was strolling through one of the uh, Instagram accounts that I happen to follow. It it is a map account. It it puts up different interesting maps about different uh, statistics. And so uh, just last night I was looking at it and there's this map comes up. Here, Here is the number of exorcists in each country in Europe. So um, Great Britain has uh, maybe a dozen 
exorcists, Roman Catholic priests who function to do exorcisms for people in the community, and they have maybe a dozen, and that's, you know, probably that relative ratio was true for all of the all of the European countries except one. Uh, Italy had nearly 300 exorcists. That was Babylon of the day. Verse 13, I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. That's not two different entities. In this context, the holy ones are angels, And in this verse, these are watchers for God over the nations and the leaders and the various demonic forces behind them and what they are doing. And according to Jeremiah 4.16, and again here in verse 17 in this chapter, they also have certain judicial powers to enact judgment against those who step out of bounds. In other words, God is all about your free will. And my God is so great, he can create a rock so big he can't move it and still be God. So he gives you free will. Uh, generally speaking, doesn't interfere with that. But and however, on the global scale, there are these watchers. And they're going to make sure no one in charge of any country is going to do anything where their purposes interfere with divine providence. So verse 14, he cried aloud and said thus, hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field and let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Now notice the change in pronoun. It's just simple English Bible exegesis. Verses 14 to 16, the watcher is no longer talking about it, a tree. He is talking about him. And a stump is left so that he can make a comeback. But in the meantime, he is surrounded with iron, a symbol of strength, and brass, a picture of judgment. And I don't have time today to get into all the doctrine that we could suck out of this passage if we were to compare it with other places in the Bible. But the same thing you do know happens to Satan. It happens to the devil in the millennium. Because during the millennial reign of Christ, he is bound with chains in the center of the earth. He's bound, but he's not out. And While this particular passage is not really about the devil in the millennium, it is about the Antichrist in the tribulation. So, verse 16, let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. Now, this is where the legend of werewolves originates. So, I guess Daniel was Team Jacob. The seven times or seven years in which this man lives as the beast. Verse 17, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth it up over the basest of men. 
Um, and you know, I think the watchers are kind of ticked off because you do know that in chapter two, which we already saw, God showed Nebuchadnezzar what was going to happen during this time of Gentile world dominion. And it, and it was a statue, it was an image, and it had a head of gold, but then a chest of silver and, and, and stomach of brass and thighs of iron and clay. And Nebuchadnezzar thumbs his nose at that because after all, he did knock off the temple. He did knock off Jerusalem. And so now he's like, no, let me, let me tell you how history is going to be. I'm going to rewrite this. I've got an image, it's all of gold. And watchers see that and they say, uh-uh, baby Baba, the God's, God's rule of thumb for the choice of Gentile rulers is that he chooses the basest of people. So the Queen Elizabeth IIs are really the exception to the rule. There are more Putins than there are QE2s. Verse 18, this, this dream I, uh, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Daniel says, King, I got good news and I got bad news, and the good news is I have the interpretation. Bad news is this is hard preaching, brother. You ain't going to like it. And that is exactly what you offer to our society with the gospel. I mean, it's great news of forgiveness and a new nature and everlasting life. But because they have to give up, you had to give up in order to gain. You had to die in order to live. Well, the world doesn't like that information. So what Daniel begins to show us right now, and this is our thesis for today's study, is that God has to intervene in our lives before we're going to be humbled. In verses 19 to 22, you see how Daniel did not take this message lightly, and he did not deliver it in a careless, cavalier fashion, because the real Christian soul winner is always in sympathy with the message, but also in empathy with the person that he's getting it to, with the audience. And so you're kind of like a doctor who might have to give tragic diagnosis to someone who is your good friend. So Daniel feels the burden of that, and as he delivers this message to the sinner, his emotions are so obvious. It's like Nebuchadnezzar's the one trying to comfort him. Then verse 24, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. That's the only water you're going to get because for at least the last three and a half years of that seven-year tribulation, it's a totally a drought. There is no rain. I mean, Elijah comes back. He does the same thing he did in the Old Testament. Uh, ain't, ain't no rain going to be on the land because uh, that was always the system God had in the Old Testament. Look, if you disobey me, I send you no rain. So, okay, the only water you're going to get is dew, as whatever condenses on, on, the, on the grass of the field, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You know, I think it would have been the easiest thing in the world for Daniel to just grab his bug out bag and walked out before judgment fell. But Daniel cared enough for the young king to confront him with God's truth. I wonder, do we? Do we care enough 
to confront people with the truth? And that's an important question for me to ask today uh, for every parent and every person who is here because the decree of the watchers in verse 17 becomes the decree of the Most High in verse 24. So what should you be telling people? Verse 27, wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. Listen to my counseling. It is biblical counseling. Break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. And what we find is, just as the devil has to get permission to attack any believer, any one of the saints, we know that from Job chapters 1 and 2, well, angels have to get permission, even the watchers have to get permission to do something to a lost person, but they get it. And the difference is, the difference between God and the devil is that God does not allow the problem just to inflict pain. Uh, God allows the problem for the purpose of instruction for the saint and for showing the way of salvation to the sinner, to draw them to him with what they're going through in their life. So it's never that there's no answer. There's, it's never that there's no answer for the trauma, no answer for the pain, or no answer other than some type of medication. No, the answer is always God is leading you to him. Have you found your way there yet? Has fear prevented you from communicating the gospel? Verse 19 says, Daniel was paralyzed with fear for one hour. You know, maybe you can eliminate some of your fear of witnessing if you just stop seeing it as a moment of confrontation. So the New Testament teaches us we have a law of sin and death in our old nature, in our flesh, and we need to trust the righteousness of Jesus Christ to set us free. You cannot break off your sins by your willpower. You can't do that. You, you can only break off your sins by a replacement process. By replacing the sins of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. By loving God and walking in the Spirit. You, you replace those sins and that wickedness with the righteousness that you get from Jesus Christ. Therefore, Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be, a, be of a contrite spirit. And that's all you need to get God on your side. Even in a situation when you think that there's no answer and nothing can be done, uh, will that be you this morning? It needs to be, because here's our first point for study. God's patience is always, always aimed at your repentance. He's patient before he brings what he's going to bring, if you don't repent, because he wants you to repent. And it's clear that Nebuchadnezzar could have avoided the decree of the watchers. All he had to do was repent. I mean, how's that for free will? Here's a decree. God's not going to carry through with his decree if Nebuchadnezzar just repents. You are not doomed by anything demonic as long as you trust in the Lord. But the king did not repent, so everything Daniel told him came true. Evil's predicted demise does not happen immediately, but you can watch it happen, verses 28 to 33. And because of that fact, it doesn't happen immediately, well, then people 
don't repent in time. I mean, Solomon says it this way, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Now notice, he doesn't say the heart of men. He says the heart of the sons of men, and that is your children. So if kids are not caught and corrected by parents, listen to me, listen to me. If you don't have your kids involved in church where they should be, if you're not actively interactive with them in in the word of God in their life, then their heart gets set in them to do evil. And it is set that way by the spirit of our age, which functions through our entire educational system. And everything they read and see and hear in social media, it was true in Columbine, it was true at Sandy Hook, and it's true in Kansas City. That term fully set is elsewhere translated by the James gang with the word consecrate. We consecrate our kids to wickedness when we are less than interactive with them in their Bible and in righteousness. Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? I mean, I hope you see the importance of our Awana Club tonight, our Awana Bible Club for Kids tonight. I hope you see the importance of your participation in our Harvest Kids and our Man Camp and all the rest of the things we do with kids. Because if we are too busy to notice them, or if we just don't spend time with them in spiritual matters, we confirm in them to do evil. Say, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Well, in this case, silence is consent because certainly the devil is out to do that and operates through, through all, of the, all of the media and all of the education they get. We end up fencing them in with wickedness. We furnish them with excuses for their behavior if we are not contradicting what they're seeing and what they're being told. And that is the greatest contributor to violent crime in our country. All mental illness is only due to a few simple causes, and I understand this is not what my doctorate is in. I understand that, but and however, I've had a few years of experience. And I'll say that sometimes it is physiological, and there's a biological cause behind it. And uh, maybe that can be um, helped with medication. And sometimes it is psychological as a result of not biblically processing past experiences. And so, yes, that can be helped with biblical counseling. Because if you don't process the past with the Bible, then it will turn into bitterness and it turns the past experience into trauma. It wasn't trauma when it happened. It wasn't like that. You turn it into trauma in your mind, and then that leads to paranoia and a break with reality. So, you know, most true mental illness today, however, I'll say as a result of two things that are intertwined. One is illicit substance abuse, because it confounds your neural pathways. But the vast majority is simple sin. Sometimes people do evil for so long, they violate their own conscience to the extent that they lose righteous judgment. They yield themselves to the devil so long, he has them snared. Now, you still can't, I mean, you still can't say, the devil made me do it. He can't make you do it, 
He can ensnare you in it. And that is why this is the chapter to show you how to save your kids and your grandkids. Because what I've discovered is the ability of the demonic to disciple your children in evil. And there's no doubt about the demonic in involvement in senseless suicidal manslaughter. And I know nobody talks about that. No news channel, I don't care what news channel, what side of the spectrum they're on, none of them are talking about that. None of the psychologists are talking about that. I mean, I don't even know very many of the preachers. Hello, somebody. I don't know very many of the churches that are talking about that. But Satan was a murderer from the very beginning. And this mental defect leads us to be proud of our accomplishments in wickedness. I was just reading last night about MS-13 and uh, uh, LA-18. The the groups have come up from uh, Central America. And, you know, if they have, if MS-13 has has 10,000 gang members in America, they have tens of thousands of members in that triangle of El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua. And you know what? They don't care about what they're pushing. They don't uh, care about what they're marketing at the moment or what they're running. Um, uh, You know, that's not important to them. Basically, it is a death cult. And uh, we see this as the next verse shows, verse 30, the king spake and said, okay, Daniel, here's my answer to you. Is not this great Babylon? Look around you. That I have built for the house of the kingdom of the might of, um, of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. So there's this extreme attachment between imagination and reality such that we get just like Nebuchadnezzar and we end up living in a cartoon or video game world where we don't think about consequences and we don't think about pain. I mean, it just might be the majestic metaverse that he's talking about here. And how much is Nebuchadnezzar just like us? I mean, to this point, he's always got bailed out. So surrender doesn't come easy for him. Therefore, here's what inevitably happens, verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Man, that's a way to phrase it. Don't you like your King James Bible? There fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And he goes from emperor to animal in the matter of a moment. And God shows this proud king that he is actually the beast. And he, he, God doesn't cause them. But why does God allow mass shootings, mass stabbings, mass casualty events, mass vehicular homicides? It is because he wants you to know that the best your unregenerate nature can ever produce falls so far short of his glory that it will eventually end in senseless, animalistic, barbaric violence. Don't believe me? Just watch the news. 
Verse 34, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. So what about the heathen who have never heard the gospel? Read Daniel 4. God never totally removes his grace from any person born. And if they will make even one faltering step toward him, I mean, all Nebuchadnezzar did was look up. Well, then God takes every step necessary to reach them. Now, let me end us today with key commitments that I need you to pass on to your kids because this is how we rescue our our children. And uh, these are crucial commitments of heart because these are the commitments that you have to make yourself and then pass on to our kids. Last year, I went up to man camp, and the last couple of three years, I've gone up there, speak to them on a Saturday, uh, a Saturday over lunch, and so I went up there, drove up there, um, and I gave all of the men and boys a uh, kind of an insert that they could pull off the back and paste that in the fly leaf of their Bible. Now, this is not that, but this is the one that I would give them this year. Number one, whatever draws me closer to God, that's always fair and right. It may not be pleasant, it may not even be just, but if it drew me closer to God, then it had the right outcome. Always allow the perceived injustice to bring you closer to Christ. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't also do other things to right the wrong and to make just the unjust, but, all, but you have to start with this. Number two, whatever glorifies God, that's, all, that's good for me. I mean, the most powerful person on earth cannot claim ownership even of his own body. Your life belongs to God. Now, that means two further things by way of inference. First letter A, God has a plan for your life, which belongs to him. And second letter B, God's plan is always in line with his purpose for you in eternity. And that is important to know because it means wherever you are and whatever circumstance you face, you are not forsaken. God may be silent, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have anything to say. And he's not ignoring you. So find yourself in the Bible. Read, hey, start with the book of Psalms. Read till you find yourself. And then keep reading till you find the solution. Here's our second point for study. God has a purpose he is performing because he has an end product in mind. And the blueprint for that product is the image of Jesus Christ. Now, having an objective doesn't lessen the pain. It doesn't take away the hurt. But understanding God's objective brings you hope and endurance. And finally, final analysis, number three, everything belongs to God, but the choices, they're always yours. What God wants for you and your kids is not confined to this life. And if you do not share these things with your children, they will, some of them, begin to think nihilistically uh, that their life is confined to this planet at this moment. And if they do not see this Bible perspective from you, then they will go with the flow with the spirit of our age, which is really strong right now. And they may end up hell bent on suicidal rage. 
since they have all the pride and prosperity and it doesn't fill the empty void in their soul, then they'll reason this way. Hey, I may as well go out in a big way. May as well become famous for infamy. Nebuchadnezzar finally learned God has an everlasting dominion. So this is our final point for study. Whatever happens here in time is only preparatory for eternity. But if you ignore it, you will call down eternal consequences. God has something for you to do to save your kids because his dominion, his dominion, his dominion, his rulership, his control, his power, his will is stated to be from generation to generation. If it does not start with you, the present generation, it does not go to the next generation. But this means God's work is consistent between you and your children. And the hope that offers is this. You can count on God to be at work in your kids' lives just like he's been at work in your life. God is consistent in the application of his will through his word. God is consistent in the application of his power through his promises. God is consistent in, in, the, in the relationship that he has with righteousness at any time in history, with any generation. And God is consistent with his expectations of his people. So his dominion did not stop with Daniel. And he does not deal with you any differently than he did with your parents. But are you listening to his word? Are you acknowledging him in worship? Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, I don't know what attitude you're, you're sitting in here with this moment. But I need you to know, you do not have to learn to humble yourself before God the hard way. I mean, God is at work in your life. If we've not seen anything else this morning, we've seen proof God is at work in your life right now. And if you are here and you've not yet become a Christian by trusting Jesus for the everlasting life that he promises, then I know that every event of your life has been orchestrated to bring you to this moment in time. Will you humble yourself before God right now? Will you confess your need? And will you believe on Jesus Christ to receive forgiveness of your sins and be born again? Will you step forward today and give God the raw materials to start fashioning your life according to his plan instead of your plan? And maybe you're saved already. Will you give God the tools he needs to complete his plan with you? I mean, as long as you're saved, you will be something. But will you be everything for him that he wants? And will you save your kids? So if you're here today and you're not saved, I mean, all you have to do is pray and say, God, save me for Jesus' sake. Lord, I see. I mean, I, the preaching today is hard, but it's absolutely right. It is absolutely right. It doesn't matter if... Some of the tragedy hasn't touched my family yet or hasn't touched my neighborhood yet. But Lord, it is certainly, it's even touched Blue Springs. It's touched our city. It's touched our state. Lord, it has touched so deeply so many areas of our country. So many of the big cities who are spreading, spreading the demonic to the smaller cities. And, and Lord, there's no rural area we have 
that is not affected by urban problems. So God, draw me close to you through your word. I mean, I mean, the society around me is crumbling. They can't save me. I, I need Jesus to save me and I pray. I trust in him today. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you prayed and trusted Jesus today, God put you in Christ. He puts the Holy Spirit in you. You are born again. And as you get into the word of God, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. 